Um, we are continuing our series, What If? I, I hope that maybe you've enjoyed it. I had a few people comment and said they really enjoyed it because we're just talking about different questions that you ask with what if. And one of my uh, most glaring memories, I, I've got, my memory's weird. Some things really stick and then sometimes I can't remember what I did last week. But I have a memory from when I was about five or six years old. And some of you have heard this story. But um, I had an opportunity at church. They had some little competition. I don't remember what it was for. I don't know if it was like memorizing Bible verses or something. I don't remember what it was. But anyway, regardless, the winner got an opportunity to fly in an airplane with our preacher who was a pilot as well. And he had this little, I, you know, I'll call it a Cessna, one of those small little planes that he was going to take us up in. And so I won somehow. And I was so excited. I'd never flown a plane before. We head out to the local airport there in Washington, North Carolina. And we get there, and when it's time for me to go up in the plane, he's going to take you all over the area. You know, we lived about 10 minutes away from the airport, but I mean, shoot, he was going to fly there in two minutes and fly over our house. We get there, and I'm standing there looking at that plane, and I get scared. And I'm like, I, I can't, I can't go. You know, I mean, my little five-year-old brain, that was what I was thinking. I was like, I can't get in that plane. I, I just cannot do it. And so uh, one of my parents uh, went ahead, and I think my sister was probably there. They went ahead, they got in, and I saw that plane take off without me. And as soon as I saw that plane leave the ground, I was like, I've made a big mistake. And so he goes, and it seemed like forever that they're flying around, and they go way out of sight. And then, it seemed, I mean, especially my little five-year-old brain, I mean, forever later they come and they land safely back on the ground. And so I'm like, man, I missed my shot. I've always wanted to fly on a plane. And I missed it. And he said, we got a little bit more time. If you want to go up, I can take you up. It's not quite as long as we went that first trip. And so me and the other parent, I can't honestly get rid of my mom or dad and stay behind. Me and the other parent get in the plane and we fly and we take off. I'm telling you, that changed my life. I mean, I love flying. I told y'all last week about how when Jesus comes back, I'm going to flap my arms, you know, uh, even if I don't have to. I, I love the idea of flying. Ever since, I fly anytime I get a chance. And many years ago, probably 10, 12 years ago now, um, I met another guy who has pilot's license, had a little plane like that, and he took me up flying with a couple other people, and he said, you want to take control? I said, no doubt. I was like, I'm doing it. And so I literally flew the airplane. It was one of the coolest things in the world. And I hope one day, I I hope one day I won't be able to get my pilot's license. It's a lot of money, so I'm thinking about wrapping off one of my kids. I, you know, I'm going to do. Um, I try to get them to get a work, get a job. I've got applications for Andrea for a job. I'm kidding. He's three. Um, but I love flying, and I regretted from that very moment. As soon as I saw that plane take off the first time, I regretted not doing that, not taking that risk. And it's been said many times, and I don't know who to attribute the quote to, but this quote has been said over and over and over again. In the end, we only regret the chances we didn't take. Can you relate to that? If you got something in your mind as I'm telling my story about a regret of a chance I didn't take, thankfully I got a little bit of redemption right there. But if you got something that automatically comes up in your brain, yeah, that's my regret. That's one of my regrets or one of my many regrets. You know, there are no famous memoirs or biographies or autobiographies that are filled with stories of risk that people did not take. That would be boring books, right? Nobody's like, well, one time I almost went and wrestled a lion. That's lame. Nobody wants to hear about that. They want to hear about the time you wrestled a lion and you know, got your ear chewed on or whatever. Um, but that's not what those books are filled with. Life, unfortunately, for a lot of us, is full of missed opportunities. Am I right? 
is full of missed opportunities and chances that we wish we had taken. Have you ever realized very clearly that you were not getting the full potential out of maybe yourself or something in your life? You know, I've talked about different uh, examples like this before, but I can't really think of a better one. It's like owning a Ferrari and only driving at 35 miles an hour. You know? You only you got a Ferrari, you only drive it. But that thing will do 220 miles an hour. I'm not advocating that. But only driving at 35 miles an hour would be crazy. You spend all that money, you have all that power, all that performance at your fingertips, at your foot, when you hit that pedal, and you only drive at 35 miles an hour. What if I told you that there were more miles per hour in that car? Everybody would say, yep, you're right, you're right. But what if I told you that there's more to this Christian life than most of us are getting out of There's more to this Christian life that you and I have the opportunity to live than most of us are getting out of it. We think it's silly, even if we're not a big risk taker, we think it's silly to drive a Ferrari only 35 miles an hour everywhere you go. But yet again, a lot of us sit in this Christian life that Jesus has so richly given us and we never take it up above 35 miles an hour. <laughs> and there's a whole lot of more miles per hour and a whole lot more horsepower in this life that you and I are living for Jesus if only we'll take advantage of it. And many of us are living lives where we barely experience the power of God. We are children of the almighty creator of the universe, friends. Amen. We are children of the almighty creator of the universe. And we are barely scratching the surface of what God can do through us and in us. The truth is that we only accomplish what God intended for us. When we go all in. We only accomplish what God intended for us when we go all in. So here's two possible questions I want us to sort of think about. First is this. Are you all in? Are you all in with Jesus? What we talk about here in movement, we talk about being all in when it comes to being, you know, a lot of churches talk about being a member. We call that a mission partner because we don't see the idea of, of being a member because sometimes a member kind of feels like, you know, you're a part of a country club. And that there's more that people need to do for you than you need to do for them. But we do see the idea in Philippians about being a partner in the gospel from the first day until now. And so that's what we call being a mission partner when you are all in at movement. And we challenge people to be all in. And so the question is, are you all in with Jesus? And are you all in with a body of believers like here at movement? Are you all in? And the next question is this. If you're not all in... Are you ready to go all in? That's the questions. That's really the questions. If you're already all in, and if the answer is yes, awesome. And if you're not, are you ready to go all in? All in is simply this. Trusting God with everything. Trusting God with and in everything. The first part is your soul. Are you trusting God with your soul? Is Jesus the Savior of your life? You know, chances are in a room here, most of us will probably say yes, or at least we are thinking about it, and we haven't made him the Savior of our life yet. And I'm telling you first, this has got to be the first area that you focus on. This is the first area that you have to focus on. 
Don't worry about any other aspect of your life until you get the area of, is Jesus the Savior of your life? Strength. You get the others right, but guess what? If you forget this one, you lose it all. You can have everything together financially. You can have the best little family that there is, and your kids get straight A's, and you get, you know, all this sort of stuff, and you can have a great husband, great wife, you can have a great group of friends, you can have, you know, it doesn't matter what you have all together. If you miss the Jesus part, you missed it all. And you and I need to understand that. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 24, says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself or herself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Jesus made it crystal clear that you could get everything else right. You could gain the entire world, get up all the riches, all the praise. Everybody would look at you and think, man, he or she's got it all together. But if you didn't have your soul in the hands of God Almighty, then you'd lose it all. You cannot... Go through eternity with just a good life here on this earth. You have to have your life in the hands of Jesus. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, warned against religious-looking people who looked apart but were missing that connection with God. He said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, as he writes to the young preacher Timothy, he said, having, talking about those kind of people, he said, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. And you know what he says next? Avoid such people. People who claim to have it all together spiritually, the appearance of godliness, but deny its power. They are ones that you need to avoid. So simply put, here's what we have to understand. If you want to be all in, your soul has to come first. You have to get the connection with Jesus first. But we often struggle, don't we? We struggle with allowing Jesus in every part of our lives. So you also have to go all in with your time. So you get the soul part right, and then you can focus on your time. And one of the things that I've realized, and I've, I've tried to live other ways than this, but I've seen it in my life and I've seen it in other people's lives, is I've never met a growing Christian who didn't spend time daily with God, in His Word, in prayer, serving Him and people, talking about Him, and encouraging the church. I really haven't. I haven't met a growing Christian. Now, don't get angry, don't get mad and tune me out and say, oh, you're saying if I don't have all that perfect, I'm not a Christian. No, that's, that's the devil's lies. I'm not saying that. This is what I'm saying. I've never met a growing, thriving Christian who didn't make it a priority to make sure that every day they spent time daily with God in His Word. You have to eat to live, don't you? If you, want to eat, if you want to survive, you have to eat physical food. And the Bible, God's Word, is, is described as being like food for our souls. You know, Jesus answered Satan when he was tempting him, when he was trying to get him to eat that physical bread. He said, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And then we see it compared to spiritual milk and spiritual meat and making sure that we grow on. And we, we need to spend time every single day. And can I, can I stand up here and be honest with you? 
I do not read my Bible every single day. And you know what? I have come to the point in my life that it only takes one day for me to tell a difference in my spiritual attitude. And my spiritual altitude, so to speak. You know, I already start to head in the wrong direction when I miss one day. And so we all need to spend time with God daily in His Word. We all need to spend time daily with God in prayer. A relationship is only built on communication. If you have any sort of relationship, it has to be built around solid communication or you don't really have a relationship. Whether it be a friendship, whether it be a marriage, no matter what it is, it has to revolve around communication. And your relationship with God has to be the same way. You can let Him communicate with you through His Word, but you also talk to Him. And you need to talk to Him about everything, every day. We also have to spend time every day serving Him and serving people. Now, the, the, the ways are limitless of how you can serve God, but you cannot serve God without serving people. You cannot do that. We are simply told in Scripture, we can't say we love God who we cannot see and not love people who we can see. And so one of the greatest ways that you can serve God is to serve other people, whether it be the church first, it says, and then also the world. We need to look for opportunities, not just when we come together as a church family, as a church body. We need to look for opportunities in small and big ways to serve God and serve people every single day, even if it's simply serving your spouse or your children or your neighbor or just a simple act of kindness to someone out in the community when you're out maybe shopping. You also have to spend time every day, and if you want to grow in Christ, talking not just to Him, but about Him. If you love somebody, you're going to talk about them. You really will. If you've had children, you remember when you first had those kids and you're showing everybody the pictures? And let's be honest, all babies aren't adorable the moment they're born. <laughs> You're like, you're showing them that picture, and people are like, oh, 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 you know, oh, you know, we've all been there, right? right I'm, getting, I'm gonna get some letters about that, man. But, but let's just be real. But when you are excited about a new person or a new relationship, or hopefully if you continue to have a loving relationship, you're gonna tell anybody and everybody about them, and if your relationship with Jesus should be the one that you talk about the most, you look for those opportunities. We have also need to spend time encouraging the church every day. Simply put, healthy people spend time on their lives. They make sure they have a good diet. They try to get some exercise or something like that every day. And we are the body of Christ. And if we're going to make sure that the body is healthy and strong, then we need to spend time encouraging one another. Yes, you are your brothers and your sisters keepers. You are to look out for them and to send them a text message, to give them a call, to send them a note in the mail. That, that blows people's minds when they get something in the mail. It's not a bill, right? You know, send them a little, uh, you know, a little gift card for just go get a cup of coffee or whatever. You know, take them out to lunch or, or do whatever, but encourage every person every day. And one of the greatest ways you can encourage is by being together with the church. And I'm going to say it one more time because I don't want the devil to twist anything in your mind. I'm not talking about perfection. I've already told you, I'm not perfect in these things. But that should be our goal. If we are going to be striving and growing Christians, we have to aim to do these things every day to have a strong relationship with Him. 
If you desire to grow, you're going to focus your time on things. Now, I'll be really honest. I've met some self-righteous Pharisees who didn't strive to spend their time in these areas. But I've never seen a growing Christian who didn't attempt to spend their time on that sounds harsh, but it's so very true because I've been that Pharisee at times in my life. That it wasn't my goal to do those things every day in my life. And I quickly hardened my heart in many ways. And you've met those people and you've probably been those people, but we've got to avoid becoming and staying those type of people. And I want you to pause for a second and look inward. Because to be all in, you have to trust God with your time. Give it to Him first, and you'll have time for everything else that's important later. You also, if you want to be all in, you have to trust God with your plans and your dreams. Now, this is really hard, because it's just ideas. So how do you do it? Well, this area is a little more difficult, like we said, because it's hard to go all in, but it can keep you halfway in and halfway out, kind of like the hokey pokey, right? It can keep you halfway in and halfway out, believing that you are all in. And that's a deadly place to be. So I'll ask you this question to help you kind of gauge yourself. What gets you fired up and passionate? And then you ask yourself this. Does that plan also allow you to glorify God? Pretty simple, but it's hard to do. Pretty simple, but it's hard to do. What gets you fired up? What gets you passionate in your life? Even if it may seem small and crazy to you, if it seems big and gigantic, what gets you fired up in life? And does it allow you, or do you allow it to glorify God in your life? The beauty of this is this. When we truly give our plans and our dreams to God, more often than not, He'll give them right back to us and allow us to use them for His glory. Now, for example, um, just to make sure we're all clear on this, you probably won't glorify God through meth dealing. You guys might wonder about that. That's not, man, that didn't even go back. Aren't you serious? Too serious. But you probably won't glorify God through that. So there needs to be repentance on stuff like that. If your plan or dream is simple, you've got to change it. Alright? I know that should be pretty steady, but we've all been there. We've caught ourselves saying, this is what I want, but it's simple. And so we don't want to do that. So you can't do that. So you have to repent if that's it. But if you know that it's not a simple plan or a simple dream, here's what you do. You understand that God can use your dream to accomplish His will, His goal of saving people. So let's just say, for example, if you want to start a business, and that's what your goal is, whatever that business is, run your business with godly principles, being kind to people, helping people, don't cheat, be generous, share the truth with the people that you serve in your business, and God will use it to glorify His purposes. If you want to be a, a great mom or a great parent, don't simply focus on making your children good students, polite and, and nice and kind, but focus on making them citizens of the kingdom of heaven, first and foremost, over it all. And then focus on making them good and kind as well, because that's what citizens of the kingdom does anyway. But make sure that you focus on their spiritual lives before you focus on anything. And so when you're all in with your plans and dreams, God can flow completely through your entire life. We also have to trust God if you're going to be all in with your finances. 
Darius ministry on this earth talking about money to teach us how to use it, to show spiritual principles by using money as an example. And the question we ask is why? Why did he talk so much about money? Because he knew that it occupies our minds. It, it occupies our minds. Like Wu-Tang Clan said, cash rules everything around me. A couple of y'all get that reference. But I just want to be able to say I use Wu-Tang Clan as a but, but we think about money, we think about stuff, we think about all sorts of things. And if I had to guess, the area of money keeps more people who love God from going all in than any other. Because they'll have almost every other part of their life straight and in line with God. But if they can keep their, their, their wallet, their money to themselves and not give it to God, they'll think that they're doing everything right, but yet they're missing the point. Because here's what we are told in Scripture. Here's a principle, and then I'm going to show you the verse. If you want to see where a person places their trust, look at their bank account. If you want to see where a person places their trust, look at their bank account. And if that makes you mad, because I'm saying that here's what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you want to get mad, you can fight with Jesus, but I ain't going to encourage you in that. <laughs> Trusting God with our money is difficult because money is power, and we don't like feeling powerless. Am I right? That's why it's a hard thing for us to give up and trust Him in. And the less power we have, the more we want. But money and power are funny because no matter how much money or power we have, we always want what? More. And it will never, ever satisfy us. It will never... Fill that hole. So if you go all in on your finances and you give to God first, you learn freedom and you learn peace like never before. You really do. If you give to God first, you learn peace and freedom like never before. And giving to God first is scary. It is terrifying. Believe you me, I've been there and I have struggled with that. I've wrestled with that. But when Christians seek to follow and seek God's will, even in their finances, and a lot of times we talk about a tithe. You know, the tithe isn't necessarily commanded in the New Testament. And it was talked a lot about in the Old Testament. But you know that it even predates the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, I should say. Before there was ever a law given, there was an example of giving a tithe or 10%. So what I tell people all the time is that's a good standard. But I believe God wants us to give even more if, if you can be cheerful about it and you can trust Him and give it even more. But what we do is we start somewhere. We start somewhere. And here is the truth that I've learned the scary and the hard way so many times. That God can help me do more with 90% than I can do with 100%. If you just trust Him enough to get to Him first, He takes care of everything way better than you ever could have or would have. So if you want to be all in you realize that this is an area that you really struggle with. Let me get really, really practical for just a second. First thing is this. Start with giving something small, like maybe 3%, and then work your way up. You know, whatever you can do where you're not like gripping and freaking out and, and you're all angry about it because the Bible talks about the New Testament to be a cheerful giver. But start with like say maybe 2 or 3% and then make it your goal over time to work your way up where you're trusting God with more and more. Where you can do more and more for you and then. The second thing is this. Give to
God first. Give to God first. Let it be the first thing that comes out of your check or give automatically so you don't have to think about it once you've decided to trust Him in giving in this way. Make it be the first thing. That's the example we see in Scripture, the first fruits that were given to give it right off the top. Because one of the things is, I've always heard this saying, it's one of those, when you have a church sign and people change the little signs, it's cheesy but it's true. Is don't give to God, I mean, give to God what is right, not what is left. You know, give to God what is correct, not what's left over. Give to God first. Trust Him in it. Third thing is this. Treat it like you would savings. Some of you are like me, you're like, savings, what's that? <laughs> I got kids. Um, but here's the thing. Treat it like you would savings. This money is doing good that I will see in the future. You know, that's what you do with savings. You want to spend everything right now, maybe, unless you really love savings. But most of us are like, I don't know if I can afford to set this aside. But that money, if I save it, is doing good in the future. And it's the same way with giving to God's kingdom. You may not see the ultimate result right then and there, but you will see the good that you're giving to the kingdom God is doing in the future. It might be two seconds in the future, or it might be two years in the future, or it might be when you go to heaven, but you're going to see the good that your giving is doing. So treat it like the idea of savings. And the next thing is this. I'm going to let Jesus be Lord of all. Tell yourself that. I'm going to let Jesus be Lord of all. Every single part of my life. So if you aren't all in. With your soul. With your time. With your plans and your dreams. With your finances. If you're not all in. Where do you start? We've already said it. You have to be empty to be filled. You have to be empty to be filled. And so you have to make sure that your soul belongs to Jesus and you're all in with your soul first. And then you start to look and once you get that area right, you pray and you examine and you ask God, help me to look at myself honestly in all these other areas of our lives and then do what he leads you to do. So you don't live your life only experiencing half of what God intended do you imagine what it'll be like when we get to heaven? And you know, maybe God will look at you and say, I have so much more for you on earth. I mean, heaven's going to be amazing, but I have so much more for you on earth. Why didn't you take advantage of it? Why didn't you reach out and accept what he had for you, what he's got for you right now? And so the truth is, it's time to be all in. God's mission is too important. God's mission is too important. It's time to be all in. On our third birthday, just back in October, we talked about the idea of 17 or 83. All y'all remember that. I'm sure you're paying attention to every word I said, right? But we talked about the idea of 17 or 83. And we were basing that off of the story of when Moses sent the 12 spies into the land of Canaan, to go and spy out the land. It was going to be the promised land. And it was such a great, amazing place. But ten of the spies were afraid of what they saw there. And so they spread lies of bad report about what they had seen. And only two spread a good and honest report. And so percentage-wise, that breaks down to 83% gave a false bad report because of fear. And 17% gave a good report because they trusted God to see them through. And we talked about then, and we talked about now, that here at Movement, we are 17%. We are the 17% who trust God, even when it's scary, because God is able to do more than we ask or imagine, church. 
we trust that He is God. We trust His goodness and follow Him in faith. And so it's time, more than ever, to do 17 stuff. It's time to do 17 stuff. As we get ready to wrap up this morning, I want to share a quick little story with you. We sang a song right before um, I came up called Healer. And that's been a song that's been around for quite a while now. And I've always loved it. When I first heard it, I was like, man, this is so amazing. And then I started to hear the story of the guy who wrote it. And his name's something like Mike Gugumicelli or something. I always say Gugumicelli. But anyway, that's not it. But he wrote this song, and the story was circulating that he had been diagnosed with cancer. And in his dealing with his cancer, he writes this song, and he says, I believe that you're my healer. And when you hear that, it's like, woo! Man, it's like turning on the waterworks. And then some time passed, a year or two passed, and even if you YouTube and you find the original concert performance of that song, that guy standing there on stage, and he's got an oxygen uh oxygen in his nose as he leads that room of people in worship singing that song healer but then the truth came out the truth was that he had the idea for a really good and powerful and true song but he did not have cancer he lied to his church he lied to his family he told his family that he was dying of cancer to sell the story and to sell the song. He told thousands and millions of people who loved that song that he was wrestling with cancer. And my first reaction, maybe like yours, is that I'm going to pray I'm not ruining that song for you. But my first reaction was, man, that, we don't need that song anymore. That, that's a lie. But then I realized, it's not a lie. God is our healer. And I realized even more. I'm like, that guy wrote that song talking about being healed of a cancer that he didn't even have, but he was talking about physical sickness. But you know, one of the things is that I hope and pray that maybe God can heal him with this cancer of lying and hypocrisy. And maybe, oh, maybe that song is true already in the truest sense for him, but I know it can be true for me and it can be true for you. And so if you realize today that you're not truly all in, maybe even if you have the best of intentions, you aren't trying to be a fraud, you aren't trying to be fake, but you realize that I'm not all in, that on some level I'm sort of being a hypocrite. Understand that God can heal you completely from the inside out. And that he can take away your pain and he can give you a home in heaven. So I say this, church, I say this to anybody who wants to be a part of the church of Jesus. Is that if you go all in, God gets all of you. And when God gets all of you, you get all of Him. Yes, sir. I want you to read it just like yourself there. If I go all in, then God gets all of me. When God gets all of me, I get all of Him. So today's the day. Today's the day to be all in. Because we don't know what promise tomorrow. And so if there's something on your heart and you need to be healed, I pray that you come and you share it with us and we'll help you do what you need to do. If you need to give your life to Jesus for the very first time, we'd love to walk you through those steps that we see in Scripture that you believe in Jesus and you're willing to turn away from your sin. Confess Him as Lord. You can meet Him in baptism and He'll wash away your sins and make you holy and clean. And then He'll call you to be faithful until death.
Or maybe you've done those steps, but you realize that I haven't truly been all in. Today's the day when you speak it into truth and existence. It takes away the power of that hidden shame. And you can truly be all in by sharing it with your brothers and sisters. I'll be right back there and I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. Or find somebody who you trust in the Lord and say, this is what I need to be 